Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Schoen, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry for another entertaining conversation around all sorts of things that no one else is talking about. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable and entertaining. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how's it going? Hey, Brianne. I am doing wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, it's been a great summer so far. Um, it's funny. I'm looking out my window right now. we got some overcast skies. First time in probably a month and change. <laughs> we have some overcast. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's really funny. You know, like I, I used to be in, um, uh, I, I lived in Canada for a few years. I lived in New Hampshire. I lived in Washington State. And I was just like, I want nothing but sunshine. And now I'm down here in San Diego. It's just like, it's so consistently sunny that like you welcome the overcast and you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, obviously I'm in Phoenix, so we are pretty much all sun as well. And I still don't necessarily welcome the rainy days other than the fact that the entire pretty much Arizona West is on fire. And so any rain we can get to help dampen that I'm all for. So we had rainy, we had some rain recently, or supposed to get some more soon, and it's much needed for the fires for sure. Yes, absolutely. That's a really good point. And uh, yeah, we uh, also have those kind of issues with fires and stuff like that out here. So um, I, it's just, you know, something about the extremes, right? It's just like extremely sunny all the time or extremely rainy all the time. It's like, man, just, just give me something in the middle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you move to the wrong state if you want something in the middle. <laughs> that, that is true, huh? <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's been a while since we've chatted. I'm excited to get on here and hash whatever randomness we get into out again. Um, but let's dive into, I think our first idea will go great diving and then into the second idea. Um, so let's kind of dive into the topic of function and what this actually is. Like we talk about training functionally. We talk about being able to function in life. We talk like in theory, we talk as PTs of uh, like getting people back to function, but that doesn't really happen. Um, <laughs> so let's kind of just talk about this word function and what it truly is in our minds um, and what it means to to us as humans. So what do you got? Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, you're absolutely right. They, you know, we as a profession and I mean, it's this hashtag, I'm sure if you, it's probably one of the most hashtag things in the fitness community function, right? Everyone wants to get someone back to function. Um, but, you know, I, I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, some, the, the, the messaging of function can really, really get lost in, you know, things like our own biases of, you know, of uh, how we perceive movement, you know, I mean, like all of these other extraneous factors. And, you know, in, in my head, you know, I, it, it kind of brings me back to this, this whole thought that with, with our patients, you know, we really need not to interject, you know, too much of, of, of all of these other things that we want for someone and really focus on their goals, right? I mean, I would have to say, like, from my interpretation of function, you know, that really is the, um, uh, the you know, the the uh, meat and potatoes of everything, right? Um, it's not about me, you know, I'm there to guide them 
but guide them towards their goals, not mine, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think you nailed that. Like, it really is like, what is the function like of that person? Like, what do they need to do? Are they a very manual labor person that needs to get back to doing a ton of stuff? Are they a stay-at-home mom that needs to be able to go up and down the stairs, carry the baby, carry the the basket, carry five things at once and maneuver five things at once <laughs> <laughs> and have eyes on the back of their head. Of course. Um, you know, and it, and it really comes down to like, what's that? But then we also can't forget. And unfortunately, insurance companies like to forget this factor that we're also social humans that like to participate in sports and be active in that sense. And, and I think that's where a big disconnect happens too, is that cool, we can get you back to being able to do your household tasks and your job. But we also need to get you back to whatever activity you want to get back to, whether it's playing soft soccer again, softball, like CrossFit, rock climbing, like whatever that sport is for you or activity is for you. Um, because that's such a huge part of function as well. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, you know, and, and you know, yeah, bringing up the insurance model is a, is a really good point because the insurance model is to get someone fairly to baseline. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Say they come into us and their capacity and we're in the insurance model, uh, their capacity is 50% of what it should be. You know, really the whole insurance game wants to get you back to maybe 85% of that, right? Um, so, you know, oh, I, I could not walk when I came in. I now can kind of walk with a limp now in, in uh, you know, by the time I'm discharged from, you know, from physical therapy. But I mean, is that functional? Right? You know, I mean, I mean, for anybody, I would say no, you know, um, obviously, assuming the, the impairments and the, you know, prognosis of recovery. So, so yeah, you know, what I love about what I do and what you do, you know, is we're not trying to get people back to 85%. That's a very, very low floor for us. Um, you know, um, we want to get someone to 125%, you know, it's, it's like, okay, cool. You can now like walk with a limp. Now let's get you running again, because that's something you want to do. Or let's get grandma Sue walking up the stairs without fear of falling. Right. Mm -hmm. so. And I think that like that 125% is important or anything over hundred percent for the fact that most people, you know, we develop these compensations, we develop these movement pattern, habitual faults, postural faults over the years that create a lot of these injuries. And so, yes, we can get someone past pain, but unless you take them past where their baseline was and go to a better point of moving better, like the injuries are just going to come back anyway. So at what point have we like got them to a like, quote unquote, functional position, but in the back of our heads, knowing like, they'll be back in a year. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, who knows and not judging anyone, but maybe that's a business model. I was going to say job security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, we could help everybody and anybody. So we shouldn't ha be having the, that scarcity mindset in any discipline. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. It's like, you know, if, if you're an avid tennis player, or professional or amateur, whatever the case is, like, do you want to, you know, and, and we're, the, we're seeing you, do we want to get you to finally on that last match on that last round, like you're barely kind of getting through it? Or do we want to try to get you placing in the top three of that match, right? 
Um, and you know, those are, those are totally different things. And sometimes we just got to tape someone together, obviously to get them through their event. But, you know, again, it's that, that, uh, um, kind of continuity of care to get people, you know, way past that and resilient to make sure that they don't see us again. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's why I created like, you know, that's why my company's called auto nest therapies, right. Committed to your autonomy, happiness, and wellness. Like I want to, I want to try to treat myself out of a profession you know, by, by educating people. And, and hopefully if something comes up in a year, they can, they have some, some, um, uh, some techniques to, to work on themselves. And then obviously if it's too, you know, um, too much, then they come back to me you know? yeah. or we have an ongoing part of care, which is wonderful. Yeah. Like I think like some of the best testimonials I get from my clients are like, you gave me the knowledge to like know what to do in the future. And I had someone past client of mine message me fairly recently. And she was like, like, I was dealing with X, Y, and Z. And she's like, I remembered exactly what you told me. And so she's like, I reintegrated some of the stuff we had done in the past. And she's like, it went away. And like, that's what I love. Like people understanding that we're going to have these aches and pains. Like it's part of sport, but like having that knowledge and knowing what to do for it is phenomenal. And, and, and these, um, um, you know, techniques that we're showing people are lifelong, right? You know, li hopefully lifelong sustaining, correcting someone's gait pattern, walking pattern, you know, that will take them into their next 30, 40, 50 years of their life, mm -hmm. right? Um, and set them up for success, right? You know, we, you know, things always happen, but if you reduce all the, a lot of the variables, you're gonna probably live a pretty long and healthy life, right? <laughs> right very true very true. yeah it's kind of like the uh, uh one more point on that you know yeah. like you know the typically the best athletes um regardless of skill and stuff are the ones that are injured the least amount right i mean through their careers right because mm -hmm. that's just more days of training that's just more days of of doing your craft as opposed to six months being laid up you know um, all part and parcel <laughs> absolutely and i mean we can't discount that injuries do happen like that's just a part of life in general like things happen um but yeah the more well twofold the the more you can like train the body how to move better and get someone back to a even better function than they were before the better off they'll be but the better state you're in in that aspect when you do get injured you tend to come back a lot faster too that is a huge point I, I totally agree with that. Um, you know, your ability to, you know, really bounce back, you know, I mean, and, and also just put yourself in these super compromising positions where nine out of 10 other players on the field or court or whatever would have gotten injured, right? <laughs> you know, you, um, you are not. So, um, I mean, that, that's a huge point. Um, you know, it just makes me think though, you know, in our profession, you know, we keep talking about this whole idea of function. And I think, you know, there's probably something in the definition of physical therapy that talks about function as well. And it's like, where does this stuff get lost? You know, and we talked about the insurance part, but you know, what about our other kind of ideologies and, and, and thoughts of stuff? You know, um, I always disliked, you know, when I was working in, you know, um, kind of in within that insurance model, Someone would be walking in to the clinic, okay, have some mild back pain or whatever, 
And for the whole session, I see people around me having them on their back the whole time and just doing, you know, these low level, I call them kind of level one exercises. Like this person like walked in here. Like why are they, you know, on their back? You got to meet people where they're at, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I spent many years in that insurance world before I went out on my own, but even then it's just the conversations I have at times with people with, especially injured runners. It's like, I've been going to therapy for three or four months. It's not working. Well, what are you doing? And all majority of stuff is like banded exercises, stuff laying down, like maybe doing some step ups. Um, like, but so I just feel so many people are underserved because it's, yeah, the exercises are like nothing they're doing is functional or very little of it is functional in any way, shape or form. And even if it is functional, you know, how many people are still moving in faulty patterns because no one's really watching them to make sure they aren't continuing their compensations that got them there in the first place. Yeah. It's, it's that, that, that guided, um, um, you know, exercise, right. You know, people see exercise as just this thing that, you know, they do. It's like, no, you have to be mindful in what you do. You know, that's, you know, I, I love in, in your model as well as mine. It's like, we're watching you the whole time. And for some people, that's not a good thing because they don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be real. We can't help everybody. But, uh, you know, the vast majority of people are like, oh, my gosh, like, I get it. This hands-on care and, you know, not a, a college kid or a high school kid watching me for 45 minutes. But the PT correcting every rep I'm doing, you know, um, makes a huge impact long term. Yeah. And even short term. Well, and even, you know, I do, I think, you know, as you know, I do a lot of my work virtually, but I'm like, I have people who send me videos like every other day is like, how is this looking? And I'm like, nope, you're still dropping here. You're still doing this. And I mean, so even if you're not hands-on with someone, it's like, you can still through video, be able to see a ton of stuff. And I'm correcting my people constantly which, like, like, like get this under control. Like we can't start running. And so I just had that conversation with one a couple of weeks ago, she's like, when can we start testing running? I was like, we have to correct that. I was like, not until you control your pelvis. I'm like, once you get that locked in, I was like, then we can at least like start testing it. Um, but yeah, there's just so many compensations that our body makes that we don't realize. And if you continue doing that, it's just going to put you right back where you were. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, let me rephrase the hands-on. Uh, how about I, all eyes on you? <laughs> eyes, there we go. Uh, all, 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 yeah, eyes on, eyes on care. Um, yeah, and it, it, that also is such a profound thing that, you know, um, you being so successful with your athletes virtually, you know what I mean? It just goes to show, you know, it really is, you know, our brain and our eyes that are the skill part of, of, physical therapy or maybe uh, our version of physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that's why I tell my patients too. I'm like, so what this whole thing is, is an opportunity for you to pick my brain because yes, these exercise, yes, yes. All this other stuff is important, but what our, you know, our expertise and our knowledge in our heads is way more important than any of this other stuff. You know, I spent 15 minutes talking to someone who has a uh, thoracic outlet syndrome, which, uh, for those, uh, listening, you know, it was kind of some uh, nerve entrapment typically happening at the neck. And he was wondering why he was feeling it in his fingers. We spent 15 minutes just talking, going over diagrams and like all of that kind of stuff. And he was like, man, that was the most informative 
thing any healthcare professional has ever told me. <laughs> he now knows what's going on with them, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So, great I mean, point. Yeah, and that you make a great point there. And that's, you know, we never know how much someone like wants to learn about something or versus just being like, I just need to know what to do. Um, you know, and people are both directions, but I love those people who are just like really want to understand that why behind it and get that good and like knowledge and like they're those are fun. Yeah. Um specifically, you know, um trying to uh get some good messaging out, you know, um as to what we do and some something in there is gonna be, you know, we love working with our why people, why quote, you know, quote unquote, right? People who who want to be an active participant in their care. Um, that's just gonna help them long term. Mm-hmm. I think you said something there too, not intending it, but I like I'm taking it a different way with the active participant. Like, how many people still really think like physical therapy is like just the manual therapy part of it, or at least in the outpatient world? Obviously, there's different settings, but anyone like comes into our world, it's like it's all that hands-on stuff to get rid of the pain and loosen things up. And, and there's just like, that's such a small portion of what physical therapy really should be. Like it's about learning how to move better and get people back to function. It's that active being an active participant, not just a passive respondent. Yeah. it's not a massage kind of, you know, situation and no knock on that. There's definitely, you know, a time and a place for, you know, um, that discipline as well, you know, but for physical therapy, I mean, it really is. And the evidence, you know, backs it up that it's the exercise components of these things, um, that are really going to get someone better long-term and build resilience and, you know, all of that stuff. It's it's, it's not going to happen with someone, you know, massaging your shoulder for, <laughs> for, you know, for 60 minutes. No. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I uh, have uh, adopted the term. I'm not sure where I heard it from initially, but uh, so forgive me for whatever infringement, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, gain the range, train the range, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, our manual therapy in our clinic, you know, consists of, you know, for certain people, you know, maybe five, 10 minutes of something, to, you know what I like to say, go in the medicine cabinet of their brain, kind of lo- loosen some stuff up. And now we go to train the range, right? We've gained the range, now we've trained the range because that's what's going to get people better long-term. Absolutely. And and yeah, not to discount, like anyone I see hands-on or even myself, like I do my own manual therapy or for areas that I can't reach and my call, I go to a colleague. Um, so there definitely is a time and place for it. But yeah, if you're not retraining it afterwards, like you're just kind of wasting your time. Yeah, I completely agree. And so, yeah, just this whole um, idea of function, you know, I've uh, uh, recently hired on another physical therapist and, you know, she's kind of worked in some different fields and different areas. And we're, we keep going back to this idea of function, at least with, you know, with, with our clinic and, you know, I don't tell anyone how to treat licensed, right. But, um, you know, the, it's, it's the, not only our patients are why people, but we have to be why people. We have to ask the, uh, ourselves, right? Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Am I doing clamshells with someone with lower back pain? Because that's just what we do. <laughs> you know, it's, oh, that's the progression. You know, you do the clamshells, then you do the squats, and then you do, you know, 
<laughs> I know you've heard uh, that a million times, right? I was just going to say sad but true. <laughs> it's so sad, you know, um, you know, or is there a specific purpose for it? And I'm not knocking clamshells are great exercise for some people. But again, if someone is a runner, like in your example, you know, and is walking into this place, you know, why are we spending five sessions on clamshells? Why are we not working on, you know, um, running aspects, you know, part tasking it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Good old cookie cutter achievements. Yay. Um, cutter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so talking about function, something I, I also wanted to dive into, and it, it really ties into it a lot is like single leg tasks. Um, I, I feel like so many people avoid them because like I have knee pain. It hurts my knees. I'm like, I've heard it's bad for my knees, all this assortment of excuses on why they don't do lunges or anything on one leg. And like, I feel like people forget that like as functional human beings, like true function in the world, we are on a single leg many times throughout our day and throughout our life. Like regardless of what you're doing, if you're stepping up on a curb, stepping down from a curb steps, like walking, <laughs> you're on a single leg at a point in time. And it's such an important element to train because if you like, there's just so much control required there. Yeah. And, you know, um, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go with that. There's so many different avenues. of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I guess like the first thing. Yeah. So um, it's something like 80% of your time walking is, is on a single leg right um you know when you're running you are only exclusively on a single leg at a time if you're not you know actually in the air um and you know like you said walking upstairs walking downstairs i mean all of these different things like why are we not working on yeah um the the the, the single leg stand stuff right again is that because we believe that you know something something we always need to be on two legs or is it like, well, let's, let's take a step back at this and see what this person needs to do. Um, and if someone has poor knee control, I mean, you know, there's a whole lot of like microscopic movements that are happening at their knee every time they step on that affected side while walking, which guess what leads to, oh, it always hurts when I walk downhill, always hurts when I walk uphill. So um, that's, that's a huge point in that. Let's take a quick break now to talk about Naboso technology. I absolutely love training barefoot for the power it gives me. But when I use Naboso, it really ups my game even more. Whether I am using the Naboso mat or using the Naboso insoles inside my shoes, that feedback it provides me onto my feet really enhance my performance. I would love for you to test out Naboso for yourself. Head over to naboso-technology.com to check out all of their amazing products. And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can also save 10%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com partners and check out Naboso and all my other great partners. Now let's get back to the conversation. For that person who 
experiences knee pain at any sort of point in time. And so they're avoiding like even double leg squats, but avoiding anything single leg, like where do you start them or where do you suggest they kind of start in order to really start gaining that strength and control there? Um, I always, that's a good question. You know, I, I always like the simplest exercise and the simplest tasks, especially when you're starting someone out, especially when they have maybe some fear and in, in that, you know, um, just a simple, like single leg standing, you know, like bend your, bend one knee and just stand on one leg and see how that feels. Right. Um, when you're doing your dishes and stuff, why don't you try, try that, you know, um, or maybe even, you know, uh, tandem walking, which is, you know, kind of a heel toe uh, walking pattern in, in your kitchen along the tile. You know, I mean, it's just a simple thing. And, and it's great because most people don't see it as exercise mm-hmm. um, to, you know, just to start building some control. Um, and then obviously we go to, you know, um, I like I'm a big fan of TRX movements and things like that. That's the suspension trainer for everyone listening. Yeah, I think that single like, if nothing else, I'm always like just testing single leg control is always going to be helpful because so many like you can pick out so much stuff there as far as like what the hip control looks like, what the foot control looks like, how that controls through the leg. Um, and just like if you don't have good balance there, it's going to fatigue out so much faster when you're trying to do do things. So um yeah, I think that's such an important point to that single leg balance. Um, I think it's also important to like, remember too, that everything, regardless of what movement is, is scalable. So it's like, you don't, if your leg isn't going to tolerate you going to a full depth lunge, like, cool, there's ways to deweight it or to modify it to like make this possible. And so like, I think we need to get past these fear avoidance behaviors that a lot of people are doing when it comes to single leg movements and just, and figure out like meet someone where they are in the sense of what they're able to do and really progress it accordingly. Cause it's such an important move or so it's such an important element to someone's function. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of people who have knee pain or uh, hip pain or actually really just any lower body, you know, pain, you know, if uh, I, I like your idea of, you know, kind of testing and teasing out, you know, what's going on, because we'll be on their unaffected leg, standing on their unaffected leg. Um, and, you know, they'll be able to hold it for 30 seconds or something like that. Right. And then as soon as we go to that other side, one, it'll typically or sometimes take two or three tries for them and even get their balance on that leg. Right. Mm-hmm. And then once they're there, it's just this huge, you know, um, you know, like a, like a boat in rough seas, you know, just they're kind of all over the place with it. Um, but uh, to, to your point, when you have them in two, you know, two leg stance, you know, with both feet on the ground, they seem fine. There are no observable issues, little observable issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as, as far as a testing protocol, I think that's, um, that's great. And that'll show a whole lot of things. Yeah. How often, well, actually, let me ask you this. Do you like just watch people in the gym at times as far as I know you work at, out of a gym, just like watch people? All day, every day. <laughs> How often when they're not the people you're working with directly, 
are you seeing like when they're doing like a single leg task, noticing like all sorts of compensations going on? Yeah. Um, I'd say probably nine and a half out of 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, um, a, a high amount, you know, whether they have any observer or, um, any, any, um, you know, symptoms and pain and all that kind of stuff in the lower body, you know, um, uh, maybe, and probably not yet, you know, <laughs> but it, um, yeah, I mean the, and, and, and so that's a really good point because what ends up happening is they start favoring the stronger side. They know the other side's weak, so they favor the strong side. And so that means they're doing more reps, building something that's already pretty, pretty good. And now the other side's even more affected. And uh, then they come, come in with knee pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah. And I, I know it's the same thing. And I, uh, I was partially asking there. So there's two specific ones I'm thinking of. I mean, I know so with everybody in the gym is compensating, but there's a couple of people in my gym that I know what injuries have been through. They've gone to therapy. They're still potentially in therapy or working with different coaches. And like every time I watch them do their different rehab, whatever exercise or, you know, exercises their person gave them, like I'm seeing all sorts of hip compensations going on. And so like, it's kind of like, and then I'm in this place. I'm like, do I step in and tell them? Do I like oversee their therapist? Like, where do I go with this? Yeah. Like, where, where so, it's so hard. Um, but it's just unfortunate. Like, I feel like there's so many, like, and I get it. Therapists in the insurance world are very just like, they don't necessarily have time to focus on everyone. Or there's just the people that just don't have a good eye and don't recognize the compensations. But like when I'm seeing a hip drop and like other stuff going on every single time they move, like stuff still isn't being addressed. And and it's from my aspect of like really wanting to perfect movement, like it's just frustrating. Very, very frustrating. And, you know, of course, they'll go to that particular physical therapist, um, you know, we'll say if they had knee pain, although all the stuff now going on at the hip or is going on at the hip. And the physical therapist will test the strength of the knee, you know, by, you know, telling them to extend their leg and don't want to move them or flex it. And it'll be good strength. And they'll say, oh, you're good now. You're good to go. Meanwhile, they're hip dropping on the way out of the, of the clinic. Right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, again, it's, uh, you know, possibly it's that drop security thing being like, oh, that person's going to be back in a month, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's, it's so unfortunate, um, you know, and again, tying things back to function, you know, why would we not work on the whole system mm-hmm. if clearly there are some other things above or below going on? Yeah. And I think a lot of my frustration with it comes from just my injury history from like 20 years, high school, college and everything running um, of just like injury after injury and even once I was like a PT already, not really in conversations I was doing and got some other injuries and, and just know, like knowing what I know now from what I've experienced and knowing like how frustrated people are when they're like constantly injured or constantly re-injured, still can't do what they want to do like a year later. Like when just essentially simple things are being overlooked, it's unfortunate. It is. Um, you know, uh, I was at, uh, at a meeting with a local chiropractor who I, uh, who I work with and she's absolutely wonderful. And we were kind of just, um, 
you know, just talking and she's like, Hey, if you, if you have a second, can you, um, look at, um, look at my hip? Um, it's like aching and hurts when I do this. And so of course I asked some questions and, you know, I had her take off her shoes and yeah, like one ankle was, or one foot was very, very flat. So in a pronated position of coincidentally her affected side and the other side was, you know, more typical, normal, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we started working first on the, on the ankle stuff, just a little bit of kind of strengthening and, and re-education. And she's like, oh my gosh, my hip already like feels better. I'm like, I haven't touched your hip yet, right? <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. We, we ended up making our way up there. And, but, you know, it's just kind of a interesting example. And she's like, oh my gosh, like, I thought you guys just did like pink weights and like banded exercises. Like, I didn't know you guys like actually did all of this. And she's like, wow, yeah, you, you really didn't even touch my hip and it feels better. Um, it's, it's, it's not, rehab is not that complex in, in my eyes. We, you need an expertise for it, but you know, just figure out what they're not able to do and just, just do it <laughs> or teach them to do it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <the> basics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the way, everyone know, you know, that it is much more complex and I'm going to get some hate now. Oh, geez. <laughs> You just don't need to know how the body works. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's almost unfortunate. Like there's good and bad of all profession. Like I know the chiropractor, I do some co-treats with, um, um, and like treatment shares with, he definitely thinks outside the box. He is not the normal chiropractor, um, which is why I absolutely love him. Um, but I feel like there is this disconnect. I'm like, even this chiropractor is like, I thought physical therapy was all just like pink weights and bands. Like, there's just so much of a disconnect and like physicians don't know what we do. Um, and so I, perhaps that's why like we don't, no one knows what we do. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, poor, there's, you know, a few things within the profession, you know, I don't think we adequately market what we can do. I think we market kind of what some people do, mm-hmm. you know, um, Whereas with a chiropractor, you know, it's different in, you know, everyone has their different approach, but you know, it's a, it's a very similar thing. Like you, you go to one chiropractor, you're going to get a fairly similar thing with another one. Um, Of course, aside from these really out of the box ones, which I love working with as well. Um, But, you know, I think our profession, you know, just could do better, right. Get out of this whole, you know, pink weights and uh, let's get into modalities. Right. You know, um, oh, do you do iontophoresis or fluidotherapy or ultrasound and like all this kind of stuff? Like that's not, you know, in my opinion, a skilled practice, right? Mm-hmm. And the skill again goes to the brain and what, what we can offer. You know, oh, funny. Um, so many people, sorry, so many people are going to get so angry at me. Um, <laughs> no, so, <I'm> not sure. <laughs> <laughs> this might be our best one yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> With the hate messages. Um. Now, as you were talking, I was reminded, I ran into a professor, one of my professors from PT school several months ago at the post office and it was just like an impassing thing, but he was just like, Hey, where are you working at these days? And I was like, Oh, I have my own business. And I said, I'm coaching obstacle course racers and runners. And his like immediate comment was like, so all that knowledge, like everything I taught you, you're not using. And I was like, no, like I'm like everything you taught me I'm using, like literally everything. <laughs> like, 
how I base everything I do when I'm looking at movements. <laughs> like, wow. Even like, and not to discount PT schools, because obviously, if you want this type of knowledge, you have to go through some sort of schooling. But like, may, like, there's just so much there too. When you're going, when you're in school itself, it's very much like, this is what you do. Like you just go out and work in the world and you are a physical therapist and there's no like outside the box consideration at all, as far as like what else is possible for someone. Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, what, what we got to. Um, and it seems like it was a lot less harsh. Um, the, the conversations that you had or that your professors had with you than with me, because what I was told is as soon as you get out there, you're going to be seeing like 80 patients a week. You're going to hate your life and all of that for probably about five years, but it will get better because at some point you'll be a clinic director of an outpatient place and not see as many people. That's, that's pretty much what I was told. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's fun. Yeah. Which obviously scared the living daylights out of me. Um, and uh, the, another professor told me it takes 10000 or $100,000, sorry, to start your own practice. Um, you know, both of those things are not true. Though it can be true if you want them to be. But, <laughs> 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 you know, um, there's so much more that, that is out there that we can do to really, you know, and, and I, what I see you're doing, Brian, is moving the profession forward. You know, um, you know, we're treating people on an individualized, you know, specific rehabilitation plan, you know, when they, when they, you know, are, um, are with you, you don't tell them to just look at the knee pain chart and do the knee pain exercises. You know, you, you specifically figure out what's going on with them, um, and how you can best help, you know, which I think is, you know, you know, an ultimate test of your skill when you're outside of a protocol, right? Yeah. Like most, I mean, the reason my YouTube channel is so big is because half the time I'm just like, all right, they need to be able to do this. What exercise can I create to get this moving better or to address this issue? Yes. So it's very much like, what can I create right now for this person? Exactly. Exactly. And and, and I I think it's fun too. I mean, I know you have fun in in your practice, just like I have fun in mine because it's not cookie cutter, right? You know? Um, what does this person need to today even, right? Cause, yeah. cause maybe last week they didn't need that, but today they need that. Um, so it's best job ever in my opinion. <laughs> when you do and it. I don't, when you do it right. And, and I don't, I don't hate my life and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> like I was told. Bonus. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> there was a hundred thousand dollars of student debt, uh, just to, you know, really dislike what you're doing. Good trade off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, where do we go from here? I know. <laughs> Anything else on your mind today? Oh my. Um, so I'm trying to think. Um, maybe in our uh, last few minutes, you know, maybe we do dig into a little bit more of that kind of fear of avoidance behavior that, you know, ouch, this hurts, I'm causing it more pain and I should back off from it and that'll magically heal it and make it stronger right that's a oversimplification of of a complex process but you know that's that's what i see in my practice i'm not sure about um about you you know with a lot of people no i think i think you made a good point there i mean i don't know how many people i have a conversation with as i'm talking with people in like my running groups on facebook or ocr people and it's like 
this started acting up like three, four weeks old. What are you doing for it? Pretty much just like most conversations are like, I'm resting it, icing it, stretching it, like the end. Um, and so, yeah, there is this such a like, and not that rest is bad. Like some things just need a little bit of like, maybe you're overtraining. They just need a little bit of rest, but most injuries, like they come on for a reason that resting may calm them down, but it's just going to come right back if you don't do something about it. So like, yeah, that resting usually doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Typically not. Right. I mean, and, and disclaimer, we're not telling anyone who has an injury to just keep doing whatever they're doing, you know, but, um, you know, I like to talk about it as with my patients, you know, we're, we're kind of offloading some areas, right. But offloading doesn't mean sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, right. It's letting some of the muscles take up the stress that you're now or that because you're, you're putting too much uh, stress on the joint. Right. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I think we have this kind of resting culture, you know, I don't know if we blame Advil or like Tylenol or, or I, mean, I don't know where, where it came from, but this whole rest solves everything situation is, um, I think very, very counterproductive to many people's issues. Yeah. You know, I, and I can't remember, I will say, I do not remember the name, the guy's name, but, um, back in, I think it was the seventies who came up with the whole rice concept, rest, ice compression, elevation, like even he's come out in the more recent years, like debunking that just being like, this was wrong. Like activity is better, like retraining. And so it's like, yes, like we all believed that rice thing for years, like myself included, like I grew up in the, like, (laughs) look, um, (laughs) (laughs) like I grew up thinking that too. Um, but, but yeah, like, things are learned, new things are found. And like, yeah, that rest just doesn't do the trick anymore. Yeah, it seems like it was such a pervasive topic. It just be, kind of became the gold standard. And, you know, I've, you know, um, done my own research on, you know, just like independent, you know, high levels of evidence, you know, being like, does ice work? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, at least in the ways that we talk about it working. I mean, because for, for how many people know about rice and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, you would think there'd be some very high levels of evidence saying ice is amazing. Yeah. Best thing since sliced bread. There really isn't. And the high levels of evidence, you know, even say that there's need for finally some like high quality research, you know, really explaining, you know, if ice is an effective modality or not, because people are spending 10, 15 minutes on that. It's like, man, if they were moving, how much further ahead of the game, you know, moving appropriately, sorry. Um, you know, how much further ahead of the game would they, would they be? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just from the simple fact of like, we need those inflammatory properties to let the body heal itself. Like anytime you put ice there, it's taking those inflammatory properties and pushing them away. So I'm like, you're just slowing down the healing process from day one. If you're icing all the time. Yep. And, you know, inflammation gets such a bad rap in today's, you know, um, society. No, I need to reduce all the inflammation in my body. It's like, no, you would die if that happened, you know, (laughs) or be seriously, (laughs) uh, seriously, you know, uh, affected by that. Um, You know, we need inflammation to heal. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, So, 
you know, again, it's, it's our, I see it as, as our job to really debunk a lot of this stuff and to, you know, um, challenge the status quo, you know, for our patients benefit. Um, because we, if we can either be part of the problem or part of the solution. Yeah. Well, even like, I mean, the whole, I was going to say the whole premise, but like prolotherapy and PRP isn't like you're creating an inflammation response. Cause I mean, after I do, um, anytime I've had uh, PRP, it's like no anti-inflammatory anything for the next two weeks. So it's like, even my tumor, um, I usually cook with turmeric. I'm like, even that, like I stop for two weeks because the body needs that inflammation to bring the heal healing to the area. Yep. And, uh, there was an article and I'm not knocking pro or PRP. I think, I think it's a great, great, um, uh, newer modality. Um, there was an article that suggested maybe just putting a needle into that area, really sensitive area is completely restarting the healing response. And that might be its biggest effect and biggest proponent. I mean, it, it doesn't matter how you get there. You yeah. know, it's just about, you know, getting there to yeah. the, the point of healing. And that too, I mean, I mean, that's where, how the whole theory of dry needling came around. Mm. And that's why it's called dry needling is because initially, um, did you not know that? I, I don't, I don't think I did. No, it was. So, you know, trigger point injections, Yep. basically they were finding like they could just go in with the needle, not inject anything. And you're getting a similar response. So that's wow. how the whole theory of dry needling kind of came around. Um, but even like, like when you think about using the needles and doing any sort of parasial pecking or like around the cartilage edge, things like that, it's like, you're, you know, kind of irritating that area to cause that response. Yeah. Wow. Um, which can cause, you know, the good healing and stuff. That, yeah. That's really fascinating. I, I did not know that. Um, At least that's the I, story I've heard. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Oh, yeah. Hey, it <laughs> sounds very plausible. Um, yeah, you know, I, I back when I was an athlete um, playing hockey in Canada, um, I strained my groin um, and I, I went into physical therapy. This was long before I was ever even considering a movement-based science in school. Um, and, and, and she did dry needling and that was like way before it was like 10 years ago, way before it was like cool or whatever. And, and it worked. Like I healed so much faster and I had no idea why she had no idea why, but this is like, (laughs) this this is what we do. (laughs) I think circling back to our previous (laughs) conversation a little bit earlier ago, but, uh, yeah, it worked. It was amazing. Hey, and sometimes you just kind of test <laughs> I'm actually dealing with a really weird injury now and both my PRP doc and my chiropractor is like, I've never seen this before. So we're just going to like do this stuff and see if what it does. Hey. So sometimes you just, when you see weird stuff, you just got to go with it and <laughs> see what works. <laughs> yeah. You, you heard about the, uh, the surgeon, he got a lot of flack for this. Um, he, I don't know how we entered these people into the study. That doesn't seem like something that the IRB would ever accept. But um, what happened was he took half, he's a knee surgeon, took half of his patients um, and did a scope, you know, where they, you know, shaved down the cartilage and all that kind of stuff for half his patients. Other half, he said he was going to do that, but he actually just flushed their knee with saline solution. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've, you've heard about that, right? And so, like, yeah, the results for everyone listening, you know, were that the, the saline group, you know, were got significantly better faster or something like that. Um, so it, it just goes to show like, you know, um, you know, back, back to the why, you know, why are we doing the things we do? Yeah. Um, you know, that was interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, and yeah, I got in conversations with someone earlier today about um, like she might be getting a scope depending on what what's found. But um, we kind of got in this conversation of like doing a scope just for like exploratory purposes, and I'm just like, I'm like, you can go into any joint and anyone over the age of like 20 probably and find something that could potentially be causing pain. Like, yep. <laughs> don't go into a joint unless you actually know something's wrong. Yeah. And then there's the confirmation bias, right? You know, that, oh, well, I'm already here in the joint. So now I'm going to find something, you know, that's, that, that's, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's nothing against surgeons. They do great work. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other factors. I think a lot of them are more human factors and opinion factors than factual. Yeah. Um, factual ones. But no, please don't do exploratory surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't let them just cut you open, take a poke out, you know, and, and see what's going on. <laughs> well, with that said, like, if it's something like your liver's failing and they don't know why, then maybe like. That, that, that is true. That is true. But when um, it comes to joints, no. Yes. Yes. In, in the joints. I know I need to keep, uh, <laughs> th th thank you for that. So I don't get to My name is Matthew Perry, but if you send all the hate email to <laughs> pathumary at amtherapies.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh before we get in any more trouble we should probably start wrapping this up i suppose uh, so matthew perry where can they find you <laughs> so uh anyone who uh googles um auto nest therapies that's a-u-t-o hyphen n-e-s-s -S, uh therapies you can find us on you know instagram facebook all that kind of stuff you know if someone wants to ever have a conversation and this is a constructive conversation with me about some of the things we're talking about. Um, I would absolutely love to do it. Maybe we can even do a three-way chat, um, you know, uh, someday. Um, because, you know, um, I think that's the only way we'll grow, right? Is by um, learning, um, learning from each other. And uh, hopefully we can, if we can be more uh, fact-based than opinion-based, but who knows? Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and, um, and yeah, Brianna, I just, I love these conversations that we're having. I think it's really great. Um, some people in my community have, have talked to me um, and saying that, hey, this is a really unique thing that we're doing here, um, you know, kind of talking about things that don't fit the status quo. So. Awesome. Always fun. And we'll definitely do it again for sure. Yes, absolutely. Can't wait. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash askthe-o-c-r doc to book a free call with me. 
Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.